0: Welcome to the Geelong Chamber of Commerce's podcast, Thriving Geelong, People with Purpose, where we will give you exclusive access to business leaders who are rethinking the way we do things and redefining our city's exciting future. During each episode, we'll inspire your own journey as we uncover the values that support our guest decision-making and what drives them to be the best they can be. The Thriving Geelong People With Purpose podcast comes to you from the Geelong Chamber of Commerce and is hosted by Chamber CEO Ben Flynn. Hello everybody and welcome to our next instalment of the Chamber's podcast People With Purpose and today I'm very privileged to be joined by CAT CEO Steve Hocking. Welcome Steve. Thanks Ben. Thanks for the opportunity. How are you going?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, I'm about eight months into the role here at
0: at the Geelong Cats and yeah, really enjoying it. It's um, big shoes to fill since Brian moved on, um, but no doubt you've brought
1: your own flair to the role. Yeah, enormous shoes. I think um, it's not just what Brian did. It's also Frank Costa and Colin Carter um, as part of that. Brian Brian had uh, two uh, amazing uh, men. That were part of his reign here and, uh, I'm now working with Craig Drummond. Got a great board. Uh, Craig leads a really strong board. So I think that's uh, really important when you're in, you know, this level of uh, elite sport that you've actually got the right people that you can lean on and learn from.
0: So you've kind of, you spent a long time at the Cats. Um, you went to the AFL for four years. Now you're back at the Cats. Is that kind of like going, off the tools and then coming back on the tools again in Clubland.
1: Yeah, it's it's look, it's been an interesting um, period for me. I've had uh, I was obviously a player here for about a decade and then I left for about twelve years, um, and then came back in as an administrator and filled a number of different roles. Um, I was very fortunate to get the opportunity at the AFL and and to uh, um, take that role as GM of football at the AFL and work alongside some amazing people, Richard Goiter and. Um, and Gil McLaughlin, clearly, um, two, you know, really important people, many others as well. And then working across the 18 clubs for me was, it was actually like going off to university and, and learning at a high level. Um, so at times it was like drinking from the fire hose. Um, the first two years were, were quite settled, um, and we, we moved through quite a bit of change, uh, to influence the game. And then the second two years were COVID hit and, um, and it was like dog years. So it, I'm not surprised to see that Gill is actually about to finish up because it really took a toll on a lot of people that period.
0: Managing those hubs, managing those transitions would have been an extraordinary stakeholder management exercise.
1: Yeah, look, we've we've been fortunate to recruit uh, Marcus King from the AFL who looked after fixturing. And I'd go as far as saying, and Marcus would would acknowledge this, that he had the toughest job at the AFL because we we were basically making adjustments on the run, it was quite extraordinary what he was working through with his team to just keep the game going. We were we were really conscious of making sure that um, people's mental health, having been in the lockdowns, particularly in Victoria, that they had the opportunity to follow their clubs. Mm. Um, you know, those water cooler moments that would happen at work and so forth were um, having to happen at home in, you know, phone calls, online meetings. Teams, Zooms, you know, um, Cisco. Like, who would have thought we would have had these things as part of our life? And they were through that period. And so, a lot of those uh, meetings were opening up with how their team was going. Mm. We went through a, a, a whole month where we went 30 days in a row with games every night. Mm. That was deliberate, just to keep um, you know people engaged in their sport and and try and really break up you know that that lockdown period for them.
0: And at the same time, something I know getting the AFL Women's up and running, sort of uh, trying to get a fledgling league, you know, soaring, must have been difficult as well.
1: Yeah, it was. It not so much difficult. It was actually it was quite enjoyable uh, to be part of that. Um, before I left to go to the AFL, we'd won the license to to have a uh, an AFLW team, mm. um, which was fantastic. We started off with the VFLW team. And then, um, yeah, secured that license as far as AFLW goes. Um, We're about to come into season seven, two seasons in one year. You know, like, as if COVID wasn't enough, we've decided to double down on it. It's great. We've got four new teams coming into the competition. It's really exciting. There's been a spread of talent. No one knows sort of what it's going to look like. I can say and share with a lot of our listeners that um, the Geelong AFLW team's going to be very competitive. We've maintained and retained most of our talent. Uh, There are some players that have moved on to other clubs, but we feel like we've been able to to attract um, some serious talent on top of the retention that we've had as well. And amazing participation through grassroots, footy with with women as well. Yeah, the numbers numbers from a time at the AFL are just off the charts. Mm. You're talking about 48% growth in in, um, community football um, at junior level, uh, which is quite exceptional. There's there's still a lot of challenges though. There you know there's just not the facilities. The Geelong Falcons here in our local region are a great example. Um, the boys' program operates out of Height and Reserve, and the girls' program has to operate out of Western Heights because there's there's no change rooms and no capability to you know to to, to basically support that program within that facility. So the region's actually got some challenges so around that.
0: So AFL footy's <coughs> been around for you know 150 years, 160 years. Yeah. Um, it begs the question, um, why haven't we kind of done it before with, with women's footy?
1: Well, it, it, it has been. It's actually been there previously. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's actually it, it's, it's many, many decades ago that um, you know, females were playing football. And it just, you know, quite clearly, they were just um, exhibition games that were held. Um, and, you know, fortunately, Gill and his wisdom, it was. AFLW wasn't to be launched until 2020 but he, he felt like in 2015 it had to be brought forward so um, uh, 2017 is when it really kicked off and uh, the growth has been um, exceptional. I, I think the fact that we've moved from um, what I've always referred to is really it's been just a um, it's almost like a private school boy model um, the way the AFL um, had, had got itself set up. It's now gone co-ed And, and I think that's outstanding. You know, the, the inclusion and diversity that comes with that is great for the sport and it's definitely the way forward. The time in Queensland as far as, um, uh, you know, the hubs and so forth, the growth through those, through that state is just, it's exceptional. Mm. Um, so, you know, the period that was spent through there and there's just not enough grounds in those, in those states either. New South Wales likewise and even Perth with hubs being held over in perth um last year uh the growth it's really
0: impacted the growth on women's that's that's amazing i think we all agree um so coming back to the club must be a sigh of relief being able to operate have full crowds and and be out of COVID, and and um operate with a real sense of confidence now are you feeling that across the whole team
1: yeah we are i think the best thing about it is just having our fans back at the at the games, that's the most important thing. There's been a bit of talk around crowds. People are still nervous, mm. um, you know, particularly with COVID. It, it is still circulating around. So, um, and and we've got uh, you know a lot of long-term uh, members and supporters here, which mm. um, are particularly down through the Western region. Um, and so, yeah, you can understand people that um, may have immune systems that are compromised. You know, they they just hold off and decide not to go, and um, you know, that's the evidence that we've got. But it is, it, for players particularly, it's fantastic to have the crowds back. It just makes such a difference.
0: It does, and um, your members were probably pretty rusted on over the disrupted couple of years.
1: Yeah, members were outstanding. They, they basically left all of their uh, their commitment around membership on the table for us, and you know, we're, we're just internally grateful for that. It, it kept the club going, and you know, we, we got through that period successfully. There was a lot of work done internally here to make sure that um, uh, our um, resourcing, our operating costs, our overheads were in line with what was coming in, but uh, members helped us get through that. and That's not lost on us as to how important that's been.
0: Amazing. So going back to the beginning, you grew up in Cobram, up up on the river and came to Geelong as a recruit. Um, How was that journey? Uh,
1: Well, I don't think we've got long enough, Ben. It's it's been quite a journey. Look, I've been really, really lucky to um, have the experiences I've had and and get to where I've got to. Um, I certainly wouldn't have thought um, as a 17-year-old in 1983 landing here at Geelong, um, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and and sort of, you know, with the the future unclear um, and trying to trying to carve out a career as a player here at Geelong that i didn't up being CEO of the club one day. Yeah. Um, but look, i followed my heart and I've been very fortunate to have a, a range of opportunities along the way and very good um, leadership and guidance from people that, that has influenced me. My time at the AFL was really about um, rounding me out. I, I, I haven't been to university mm. but I feel like I have with a lot of the um, opportun- opportunities I've, um, I've had you know, come my way. I started in the building game. I'm actually a bricklayer by trade and landscaper. Um, that was my first role, I did an apprenticeship when I first arrived, arrived here in 1983. Mm-hmm. The club was good enough to transfer my apprenticeship from Cobram to uh, to Geelong and I got in with a local employer. And as I say, so the rest is, is history. i played here for 10 years and um, when I finished playing I went into a retail business in Geelong which was a, a framing and art gallery centre. Um, and I did that for 12 years. and. Mark Thompson wandered in off the street um, back in 2004. I'd never met him before. We, you know, we played against one another and he played at one end of the ground and I played at the other yeah. end, both back pockets. Um, and he wandered in and he said, Look, I'd like to have a coffee with you. And we wandered down to the uh, deli there in uh, Mallop Street just past um, Office Works. Yeah. A lot of our listeners will know that area. And uh, we sat down and had a coffee and I wandered back and um, there was a discussion with my family as to what was that about, particularly my wife, um, because we sort of thought footy was, was out of our system at that point in time. And he, he had offered me a role on the match committee here and sort of, you know, what is it, 15, 18 years later,
0: here I am. Wow, wow. And going back to that, those early days, it must be extraordinary to reflect on the new recruits these days compared to the new recruits back then. It's a, it's a different world, isn't it?
1: Look, it is. I came down from a small country town, as you've highlighted. Um, the Geelong Football Club had a had a place in a boarding house in um, Aberdeen Street. And I think this is probably um, really helpful within my role as CEO now because I've got such history about the club. Yeah. You know, um, that boarding house had ten of us. Yeah. Um, Some of the listeners will remember a guy by the name of Rod Waddell Mm -hmm. who had played at Carlton and then came down here and he was an Indigenous player and just a fabulous player. I shared a room with him at Mm -hmm. this boarding house, Um, and he was 28 years of age and I was 18 at the time, Um, and we used to share clothes and shoes and all sorts of things. You know, the the house, whatever you brought into the house belonged to everybody, (laughs) and that was sort of the the teaching at the time, but. um, you know, it was it was a great experience, and then I, I go back as far as uh, wandering into Cadinia Park here, now Jim HBA Stadium, and um, you know, walking out of the players' race um, on the wing and being able to see cars um, go along durableable street yeah. and that, and you can't see any of that now it's how much it's changed, so I've
0: seen a lot of growth amazing, amazing. um you were described as a tough and unyielding player, and I don't think anyone doubts that is um. Is that what you take into a CEO role?
1: Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think um, there's softer skills that are required. I, people sort of, uh, people jump to that conclusion because you've been involved in some incidents over the years, but um, I, I would like to think that over time I've developed, um, you know, softer skills. Um, and I, I think even as a youngster I, I had that. I always, sport for me, football for me was more about the team aspect. Um, and uh, that's what used to motivate me as a player, um, particularly how, how do you how do you get the best from the people around you? Mm. And a lot of those learnings I had as a player um, and, and my early years here at Geelong have actually transitioned um, into my role as CEO now and I've had other roles here, I've been head of commercial and um, head of football and so forth here and it's really, I've been fortunate because um, of my building background, I've always been on the tools. So I never wander too far away from the mechanics and how things work. Um, and I'm fortunate that I can demonstrate that if I need to put overalls on, I can. Yeah. Because I've actually done that. So I understand the hard yards. I understand, um, because I've cut my teeth on programming and, um, setting up high performance systems and teams and recruitment of people. I think I've got a natural HR bent. So, um, I think all of those things go into uh, my role as a CEO now.
0: And I'm really impressed by your story. I've actually heard you speak before, and also having a picture framing business yeah. um, and being proud of that, being proud of that journey. Do you believe it makes you authentic, and are people attracted to that?
1: Uh, look, the, the, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, that's that's for people to decide. Mm. For me, I, I think being authentic is really important. Um, I don't think you ever lose the country. Um, so I've come from a small community, you know, roughly about 5,000 people. So mm. you never forget how important that um, support and care is. Mm. Um, and and so I, I think if if they're your early learnings, that's generally what you take through, um, you know, as, as your life evolves and and the roles that you go into. That's certainly what I I've taken forward, um, you know, from my younger years and, and particularly as a teenager you know that support and a local community is really important and i think transitioning to a bigger community here in geelong it's it's not melbourne it's regional yep and so it it was a natural fit for me
0: i've i've felt the same i came from hamilton and geelong's
1: yeah. always felt still the same there's still two degrees of separation yes everybody definitely. knows yeah. each other yeah
0: which means you can get things done as well anyway. yeah
1: that's right yeah and and hopefully not only get things done but you can actually um you can impact a large group of people as well i think because you it's easier to connect into people uh then hopefully everyone comes on the journey together so you know we've got you know, ford motor company and mm. and morris and gm and deakin university the list goes on and, mm. and and cotton unlike all of these organizations it's about growing together yep. and i think when you're a strong community everyone benefits from it
0: and i think truthfully uh you know In Geelong, we should be proud of what we've got. We're not. We're on on the flip side. We're not necessarily a country town. We have big businesses here. Even your commercial income must be at a a level that's you know the same as most clubs across the AFL, if not better.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. I I think um, you're right. Like you, you have a look at what the state government's done with NDIS and. TAC and Worksafe, you know, those head offices have been placed here. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of migration that has gone on, uh, particularly coming out of COVID and across, probably even across COVID, yeah. to Geelong. It's um, it's a changing, it's a changing region, and and the growth is just exceptional. Uh, having been away for you know nearly five years at, at the AFL to come back in, I, I I seriously couldn't believe the change. It's much harder to get around on the roads. And it's very difficult to get property. Yeah, it, it's yeah. There's a real demand for the region because people now can work remotely. Like our, our lives have changed dramatically mm. um, through COVID and post-COVID. I think that it's, it's it's been substantial the the change.
0: And. uh I think with the Commonwealth Games coming to Geelong and a lot of infrastructure on yes. the horizon and that continued population growth, I think we're entering a really halcyon period for our town.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's very exciting where it can all end up. And we're going to have a 40,000 seat stadium here. So, um, that's, it's going to be the biggest, um, stadium outside Melbourne. So, you know, for a regional centre to have a, a stadium that size, that's, that's going to be bigger than the Gabba, yeah. which is, you know, pretty exceptional. And, and also matches uh, the CG as well. So that says something about this region.
0: Now we just need the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games here, but I won't ask you (laughs) about that. Um, But certainly um, that would be amazing. So um, starting as the CEO here, probably gave you the opportunity to sort of Look at the values, realign the strategy and and you know consider the kinds of skills you wanted to bring in the team does that has that really defined your last eight months
1: it has it 's been a really important piece of work, thanks to the question because' it 's an important one to to be shared and answered um, the, the thing that I noticed coming into the um, the role was walking around the building. the values had become tied and and that 's not a criticism of anyone please. Um, It's important to recognise that they'd been in place for a long period of time. There were seven, seven words. Um, and, and in some cases, what I was finding in meetings and so forth, the words were being used against, um, you know, individuals and, and team members. Um, and then a further walk over the coming weeks, um, you know, there was, there was plants in front of one values board and there was a fridge in front of another. And that sort of said to me that there's, there's actually a little bit to be, Unpacked here as to, as to what's going on. Um, and so from there, we engaged a, uh, external consultant, uh, one that I'd worked with, uh, in my role at the AFL, lady by the name of Anna Box, and, um, set her underway to develop, uh, what it might look like into the future under new leadership. Um, and I think the other thing to, to call out, uh, Ben around that is just due to COVID, most people weren't at work. And so coming into, coming into the place and, and reconnecting post two years of lockdowns, um, most of our, our workers had been remote, um, you know, in their operations. And so naturally there was cobwebs and dust laying around. So I'd learned at the AFL very quickly, um, coming, uh, in and out of the lockdowns that you need to reconnect with your people really quickly. Um, and you need to get them in behind a, you know, a real purpose mm-hmm. and, and have meaning. Um, to get them back in otherwise they 're going to continue to work remotely so the work that we we undertook was um, two hundred and eighty hours of interviews um, it was all people led so staff led um, we also uh, interviewed eighty five people within that um, just ten hand handpicked um, externals um, so that uh, you know the media didn 't Pick up and go. You know, there's a full cultural review going on here because it wasn't about that. It was actually about our people and, and how to get them reconnected. Um, and and the questions that, uh, that Anna asked were, what is un- unmistakable about Geelong? Like think about your time at Geelong. Think about your connection with the club um, and the history. And um, and let's work through that um, in a in a way whereby it's st- it's staff led. And so that's basically how we got to guiding principles, mm-hmm. and we've got we've got five of those now, um, and you know, really proud and excited by you know what's been developed and how they've landed. Um, we announced all of those in February uh, of this year, and we've got and now doing work to make sure they're fully embedded uh, right across the whole organisation. They they they're modern. Um, you know, it's a, it's a modern way of operating with guiding principles versus the values. Um, and it's not individual. There's a range of things like, um, uh, you know, diversity seekers, um, you know, legit inclusion, Mm -hmm. um, Geelong hospitality, Geelong manners. Um, you know, this club's rich in its history and it's been captured within those guiding principles. And yeah, that, that's how we'll move forward.
0: That's fantastic to hear. Um, so you've been, you know, you're a respected change agent. Um, How important do you think change is in any organisation?
1: Yeah, I I, I tend to get labelled as a change agent and it's, it's, I I rally against it a little bit um, because what I, what I tend to do is, is um, not, not walk past things. Mm. Um, And, and I find it difficult to do that. Mm. Um, And so where there are um, opportunities to improve performance or, Make it a stronger workplace, um, a really connected and a valued workplace. Mm. Um, I don't turn a blind eye to it. I I lean into it Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, make the necessary adjustments to, to unlock, you know, the potential. And, you know, one of our guiding principles is unlock excellence. Um, another one is, um, be the catalyst, which is human magic. So for me, I, I think people bring the magic and, you know, hopefully every day that, uh, our Geelong Cats, people are showing up here, staff, it feels like their first day. And it's really important they bring that type of energy to our business. So, as I say, I rally against the change. I think people like to, I know when I first started at the AFL, um, and I'll share this story with you, um, the media were, were very quickly. So I started there in end of 2017, and in my first press conference, they wanted me to outline the full changes I was going to make to the game. Been the job five minutes. <laughs> not sure that's actually what you can do. Yeah. Um, and I have a you know a high level of respect and care for how the game got to the state it was in, mm. um, and it was looking like rugby mm. back then. And so it wasn't a case of rushing to any decision making. Um, we then worked right through 2018, and again people you know that they forget the the backstory to it because it doesn't suit. Know, what they want to write around change agent and um yeah, we took the whole of two thousand and eighteen and it wasn't until October of that year that we'd actually finalized um, the potential changes and there was nine changes we were going to make, and then there was another three that we made um, uh, in the, at the end of the next year, so we actually snuck up on it and we planned a lot of the work we visited clubs three times across. 2018. That's not an easy thing to do. You, you multiply that 18 clubs, three times. Senior coaches were part of all of that. They'll tell you otherwise, but they're actually part of all of that decision making. Mm-hmm. And then we got to two, uh, we got to October, and sat down with the senior coaches, and and you know they sort of looked at it like it's the first time they'd seen it, even though they'd been taken through it so many times. Um, and then we yeah we announced it, and then obviously COVID hit um, at the end of 2019. Um, yeah, you know, we shortened the game. There's a range of things, and now the game's starting to find the rhythm mm. that we had worked through over a 12-month period. So, um, I think if you're, ch- you're a change agent, you're outlining in your first interview with the media what you're going to do. Yeah. We didn't do that yeah. until you know nearly 14 months later.
0: Yeah. Um, as for, for other leaders that sometimes need to make change or, or make tough decisions, um, what are some of your tips for dealing with criticism? Um,
1: Well you've got to stare into it and and I've found that collaboration is the best thing. I I think some of the best ideas uh, come from a range of people and and what you need to do is allow them to be part of your thinking um, and try and set up systems like we set up a a competition committee as an example. Uh, That was a new initiative because what was happening was There was a laws of the game committee and what they were putting forward was going through to the executive of the AFL and also, um, the commission and it really wasn't, um, being considered at the level it needed to be. So we disbanded that committee because there was no, there was very little representation from clubs. We then set up, um, 12 of the clubs of the 18 and we rotate every, um, two years. Um, and that was the modelling we put in place as to, you know, there's 50% change over every couple of years. Um, and by having that, we had a mix of, um, presidents, um, chairs, CEOs, G- GMs of football players were part of that as well. Um, we also had GMs of football on that. And so that enabled us to access, um, intimate knowledge as to what, you know, the, the 18 clubs were seeing. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I think that was an excellent format. And what it did do is, um, I made sure some of my first hires were really smart people. I was taught very young by Rex Carell, um to always hire people smarter than yourself, and I've done that all the way through. Mm-hmm. He, he shared that with me when I was 18. And I've done that ever since. Um, and you allow those people to impact your decision making. And then you know when there's success you, you you distribute it to the whole team it's theirs yep. um and then you know but basically if there's any failures, you just got to stare into it yep and 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 you are the lone ranger on that that's just yours to to own so um I think if you plan right, you know you follow data um and you make sure that uh, you know you're working through it in a really constructive way, and you've got all of that information that's what the the comp committee provided me personally, um, was exceptional. I had a couple of people, I had a commissioner, Jason Ball, that was part of that, and you know, we would speak regularly, you know, almost fortnightly, to talk about um, you know, what we were um, uh, having access to, information-wise from that committee, and that helped sort of generate our decision-making and steer it as well. Yeah. Um, and then there's just instinct. Yeah. And you know I, I think over time, Um, hopefully, you know, most people that get into a CEO role have put themselves, you know, at the edge of the cliff face often enough to, you know, work out and understand what their response in certain situations is. Um, that they, you know, they develop their instincts and, uh, all the data and so forth is relevant. Um, but sometimes, you
0: know, gut feel and instinct takes over. Well said. Well said. Um, what's an average day? For the ceo of geelong cats oh well I've, I've had
1: a few people ask how does it compare to the afl <laughs> uh, what's the difference uh, look the difference is i'm part of a family here uh, you know clubs probably probably the best way to describe it is no one barracks the afl uh, and so that that would be the first thing i'd share um and I, I recognize that coming back to the club there's um I, I feel like i've come back to a family here and that's that's not any criticism of the afl it's the governing body. You know, I, I like to refer to it as the mothership um, of the competition, and and so um, you know, what are the hours like? You know, what's the commitment like? It, it's quite different here um, compared to what I was doing at the AFL, in particular the last couple of years. It uh, you know, I sort of had plans to be there for a lot, you know, a longer period of time, and uh, with two years of COVID, it just got so difficult um, on. You know, family and and just time. You're just you're stretched every day. You you know, just think about working and living with people you're working with Mm. in a hub 24/7 for four months. It's just unheard of. It's it's actually it's not normal to work that way. You you go to a lift and and you're basically working in the lift because people are asking questions about you know they're waiting on a fixture. Confirmation. They're waiting on potentially a training oval. Mm. Um, they might be thinking about, um, you know, is there a bus ready to pick us up? Because the bus hasn't shown up. Yep. You know, right down to that level. That's what our team were doing, and and because of the need to be really disciplined about it, um, you know, a lot of that responsibility fell to a small group of people to make mm. sure it was efficient, mm-hmm. so that you you sort of didn't lose the run of. The decision making that you had in front of you, so you know the teams really Gill was very strong on making sure that um uh, each of the teams just stayed in their lane and looked after their area so you know, someone like a Marcus King looked after fixturing um and then you know clearly i looked looked after um eighteen clubs and and running that and then within that I had some key people that looked after the travel we also looked after the umpires we had to fly them all around the country mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sharing all of that to give you an understanding of the hours that yep. were done. Um, so automatically there are different hours when you land at Geelong yep. because you're back to a sort of a normal operation. You're only looking after one club with four, four programs in fairness. There's, you know, there's a full-time men's program. Um, there's, um, a part-time AFLW program and then you've got part-time uh, VFL and VFLW programs. So that takes your time, mm. but, you know, we were, we were doing all, 18 AFL teams, yeah. 14 AFW teams, and then all the umpiring um, around all that right through um, the two years of COVID, so this is a lot easier.
0: So, <laughs> so the mind boggles, that mind really does, but you did touch on um, your own family and the work-life balance. Yes. Yeah. Um, how, you know, as a leader, do you just flick a switch when you go home? How do you be present and, and how do you still have that quality family time?
1: Look I think it, it it varies for everybody so I I can only talk about my experience I I don't um I just don't spend any time on the phone people say well that, that can't be the case mm. um I just don't um you know I know a lot of people that sleep with their phones um you know beside their bed Mine, Mine's in a part of of um the home that uh, is inaccessible mm-hmm. um and, and I, I like to um, stay at work to get the work done, mm. and then when I leave, I'm actually uncoupling from it, and you know I'm able to walk in and be present. Um, but having said that, you know through COVID it was difficult at times because you're playing football every night. Um, you know that that sort of thirty days was an extreme example that I can share with the listeners, and and you know I was constantly on the phone because there was things going off. You know. Um, whereas you'd have nine games normally plugged into a weekend, by the time you come out of the weekend it settles itself down, you get a, a, a rhythm. Um, it was very difficult during COVID to actually establish a rhythm. But uh, yeah, where you can, um, you know, my experience has been you've just got to switch off. Um, and you need to you need to develop your own style. Um, we're very fortunate. We've got a little place that we can get away to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we make sure that we do that. Um, and, you know, I'm not doing that when I'm burnt out. I'm actually doing that. Um, as the hours are sort of increasing, it's, it's then right on. How do you just reset a little bit? Make sure you create enough room in, in your head. Um, and, um, it's bandwidth. You know, I talk about that a lot. How do you, how do you create the bandwidth? Um, so that you're able to take on new information, and and just be present. And I, I think being present is really critical. But it's I'm not sitting here fooling myself that it's easy.
0: Yeah. Do you still keep fit? And you? Um, yeah. And you eat well and you sleep well. Yeah, yeah.
1: The eating. I, I, I like my food, so <laughs> I, I don't drink, but I like my food. But I, I run every day. I exercise yeah. every day. Sometimes. Yeah. A couple of times a day. Um, I run every morning. Um, and, you know, the distance varies as to, as to what that is, but, um, I, I find that, um, as reflective time for me. It's amazing. Um, you know, there'll be something that I'll get up, um, of a morning that will be on my mind. And, and, you know, by the time I finish my run, I've, I've worked through it and, you know, got some, not solutions, just a, a bit of a plan around how I'm going to work through that to, Know, hopefully land it the way it needs to be. I, I find that you've, you've just got to have that. Uh, I certainly couldn't have done the role at the AFL uh, without that, but I've always been um, you know, someone that's always exercised. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, so that's your well-being and player well being's has always been effectively on the radar. Yes. Um, as a CEO now, you need to take more time to consider the well-being of your staff,
1: don't you? Yeah. look, we this, this club's been incredible over a long period of time um you know one of the easy decisions to come back here was how how well uh managed the club is um uh i remember back in sort of 2006 2007 the club implemented a university model um for its players and and staff and um you know, you've got almost 45 players you've got just as many staff supporting them um there's a CBA day off that's uh, programmed in so um, it, it depends, sort of week. It, it can change from week to week, but often it's it's the same day and it's a Thursday. If you've got a Saturday game, they're training on the Friday um, with the captains' run, and the Thursday is a, is a full day off. Players also get another half day mm-hmm. as well as part of their CBA. Um, but this program here is quite different to 17 other clubs. Um, it's been in, in establishment for. A, a long, long time, um, say, so go right back to, you know, 2007 when Mark Thompson was operating here as a coach. Uh, we, we felt work-life balance, mm. um, uh, led to high performance. Mm. And people continue to wonder how the club stays at the level it does and the performance level it does. And I, I can generally say hand on half that the, the players, uh, are managed and the staff are managed in a way where when they're coming in here, they're here, and it's about performance, and they're excited to be here. And and when they're not here, they're off the tools. Mm. And um, if they're off the tools, what are they doing? Um, some people probably listeners probably think, oh well, they you know they're just sitting around on playstations and so forth. Deakin University plays a large role with a number of our players um, in terms of education. Um, some are off doing stockbroking mm. d- degrees. You know, there's others that will be doing apprenticeships. Um, and there's no doubt there's times where they're on the golf course or they're surfing or, you know, f- finding other activities that just give them that balance. Uh, it's really important that that's the case. We've got the same model in AFLW and it, and not because I'm CEO of Geelong Cats. It's a unique program. Mm. It, it actually, there's, there's virtually no other club that operates that way. You know, there's, there's clubs that, um, you know, you're expected in. You know, at eight o'clock in the morning, and and you know, not not expect to leave until some in some cases seven o'clock at night. Mm. And I've worked across the whole competition, so I'm, I'm well placed to comment on it. Mm. And this club has a unique program, and it's it's a really important um, difference, I think, in in how we manage our people. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, we've become a destination, and and a really good retention club as well. People want to come here because they hear about us. We don't get out on our soapbox and spruok about it. Yep. It's just a given that's how we operate.
0: Fantastic. Now, Steve Hawking, personally, um, what kind of goals do you set yourself beyond work over the next five years?
1: Uh, beyond work? Well, I'd like to get my golf handicap down. <laughs> um, uh, but <laughs> That's not going so well. Um, I, I find that when I get on the golf course, I, I like to just open my shoulders up and hit it as hard and as long as I can. And I don't think that really works with golf. I think it's you know, more about timing, but... Um, I do like uh, getting out on the golf course. Um, we spoke about the exercise um, aspect of it. Um, as some people probably you know, would say to me, "Well, you know, set yourself a marathon." But um, I, I feel, having played the game and doing two years of COVID, that I've I've probably completed something close to a marathon. Um, so I don't I don't have that as a goal. But um, yeah, look, just making sure that uh, you know I'm I'm the best I can be. Mm. Um, which then enables others to be the best they can be, um, is, is really important. And so, you know, what do you need to do personally, uh, or professionally as well? I'm talking to the club currently about, um, some future learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that, um, you don't stop learning. I think that's, you know, one of the benefits that, um, is reflected in me is I've, I've been a bricklayer, um, landscaper, um, I've been a picture framer art gallery operator, um, I've been a player. Um, it's been a varied journey um, but I've been fortunate enough to you know pretty much follow where my heart uh, wants to go versus actually taking a role um, that's about salary yeah. and about status and and so um, you know here now being CEO as I said I, it's not something I actually set out to do and there'll be listeners that will say, well, you haven't set yourself any goals. My goal's been to live a pretty full life.
0: So I'm picturing you when this is all said and done, um, on a golf course up at Cobram uh, going full circle. Is that the plan?
1: Uh, I'm not sure about Cobram. (laughs) Yarrawonga's got more golf holes. There's about, I think there's about 63 in total at uh, Yarrawonga. Uh, Look, probably spending a bit of time um, uh, wandering around different golf courses, but uh, probably more... um, it might be just a tinny on the Murray potentially, um, floating around a tinny and trying to catch some fish. That's that's what I really like to do because it's the uh, you know the tranquility that comes with that, um, and then the patience required to lure what's swimming underneath um, is is what sort of gets gets me going. But uh, who knows what the future holds? I, as I said, I you know if you said to me 10 years ago you're going to be CEO of the John Football Club. Um, or um, you know, I used to walk around the Barwon River and, and be in conversations with people I was walking with, and and you know them saying, um, maybe one day at the AFL, and I'd just laugh at them. Um, I wouldn't have thought any of that would happen. So who knows where
0: where it leads me in future? Well, Steve Hocking, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for your insights and authenticity and all the good work you're doing at the Cats.
1: Thanks, Ben. Yeah, I really appreciate the time, and the opportunity to uh, air yeah, to have a
0: chat ladies and gentlemen thanks for joining us for our people with purpose podcast with ceo of the cats steve hocking have a great day thanks for joining us on thriving geelong people with purpose let us know what you took away from this episode and to find out more about the chamber of commerce head to geelongchamber.com.au